You're listening to the Life Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church Livonia. I'm super excited to be here. And if we have not had the opportunity to meet, I'm Donald Johnson, and I serve as the lead pastor for Life Church Auburn Hills. Yes, we are family. And the truth is, we are better together. Now, I know that sounds like a campaign slogan, but it's not. Uh, it's more than a simple statement. This is a profound biblical truth. This is what God intended from the beginning. And in this series already, you found out that we have a God who is a very relational God. And everything that he created is in relationship with each other. There is some level of interdependence. We've identified that we have been created for community. And when we are doing what God created us to do, we bring glory to God. In fact, all of creation is like a sign that points back to the one true living God, reflecting his glory, his grace, his power, his love, and his mercy. And it's so beautiful that God is actually inviting us, yes, you and I, to partner with him, to be in relationship, to know him and to make him known. Some time ago, I was convicted by this challenge. And here it is. He said to think of one word that describes what you are known for. One word that describes what you're known for. And when I did my self-evaluation, it was kind of easy because the words that came to mind was driven, one word, focus, dynamic, innovative, creative, one word. But then we got pressed deeper and was told to ask your spouse for that one word to describe what you're known for. And unfortunately, due to confidentiality, I will not be able to share my results. No. And they even pressed further and said, now ask your children. Ask them what is that one word that you are known for. I want to turn that back on you. I want you to take a moment and to think about what would be that one word that describes what you are known for? What would your spouse say? And if you're not married, those who are close to you, what one word would they say that you are known for? Your children, your brothers or sisters, those within the community of faith, and those without, what one word would they say describes what you're known for? 
And I want you to even take a deeper look. Consider the last couple of years as we navigated through political and racial tension. What word would you be known for? If you examine your timelines, your social media posts, what word would you be known for? As followers of Christ, there is one thing that we are to be known for. And without it, nothing else matters. We have been called into a better love. And this is not mere sentimentality. This is not a surface level admiration. This is not where we just come around and tolerate each other, but it is a sacrificial, deep, abiding love for others. And many of us have heard this, but I believe fewer of us have actually experienced it and even lived into it. However, when we answer this call into a better love, this is our greatest witness. Let's take a moment and pray and then examine what this really means and the implication for our lives and the lives of others. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for this day and this very moment that we're living in right now. There's something that you are doing. There's something that you are preparing us for. And Lord, we want to say yes to your will. We're asking in this very moment that you would open our ears so we can hear what you are saying. Open our eyes so we can see what you're doing and open our hearts so we can receive your truth and be transformed into the children that you're calling for in this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's dive into John, the 13th chapter. And we'll start at verse 34. We're going to come into a very intimate conversation that Jesus is having hours before he's betrayed, before he's arrested and put on trial and beat and ultimately crucified. He is having a very intimate moment. And listen what he says to his disciples, verse 34. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. The first thing I want you to see here is what Jesus said. A new command. He didn't say a new suggestion. He didn't say a new option. But he said this is a new command. This is something that you need to take serious. The Savior is saying. And it kind of begs the question, 
a command? Can you actually command love? And, and what's new about this? See, I love what Sinclair Ferguson says. He says, love is not maximum emotion. Love is maximum commitment. And when Jesus is saying, I am commanding you to love, he is telling you, inviting you, encouraging you, if you are going to follow me, then you are going to give yourself to be used by God for the benefit of others. Otherwise, you're going to be motivated by selfish ambition at the expense of others. And the statement is saying love is not maximum emotion, although it invokes emotions. But love is maximum commitment. And the passage at the very beginning of this chapter, it says that Jesus loved his disciples, those that were in the world. He loved them to the end. I, I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that Jesus loved me. God loved me to the end. He loved me past my mess ups, past my running away from him. He loved his disciples to the end through their pride, through their prejudice, through their mistakes, through their abandonment, through their ups and downs. He loved his disciples to the end. Then how are we to love? How should we love? Let's read again verse 34. He says, a new command, I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Friends, see, this is what makes this command somewhat new because it's actually an old command in the Old Testament. It's written to love your neighbor. But what makes this new is that it is not up for grabs, is not subjective at all, because you have a model. Jesus said, you have a model now. You have a very clear example. This is not subject to interpretation. I've been walking with you all and loving you all through your mess. And in fact, the passage before this, we see the scripture is telling us that Jesus knew what was next for him. He knew that he was facing the cross. He knew that God had given him power. And this was the moment that he would be glorified by what he had suffered. And, and, and this is what it says. This is beautiful. As they were sitting around the Passover table, the table eating Passover. The scripture said that Jesus, he laid aside his outer garment and he wrapped himself with a towel. He poured water 
in a basin and begin to wash the disciples' feet. He took the job of a slave, a servant, a low job, which was customary for travelers when they came into home. Because, see, they didn't have Jordans back then. And the road that they traveled, they picked up a lot of dirt. And see, I found out this, that love addresses the roads that we travel. And many of us, we've traveled some rocky roads. But love addresses that. And Jesus, what he was doing was washing away the dirt, addressing the roads. Friends, when we look at each other, when we consider the journeys that we've been on, you never know the roads that someone else has traveled in. You don't know the stuff that they've stepped in. You don't know the hurts that they've experienced. But Jesus invites them as his Lord, our Lord and Master. He says, if I can do this, if I can address their roads, wash their feet as an act of compassion, an act of courtesy, an act of grace, he invites you and I to do the same, to be a blessing to each other. And let's be real, it's hard. It's challenging to love the broken, especially when someone is, or you perceive someone is more broken than you are. And even to love those that think they're better than you are. It's, it's challenging. And you may ask, how in the world can we love like that? Look, look what he stepped in. I don't want to deal with that. How can we actually love like that? And, and when we are asking questions like that, I, I think we're taking our faith from a wrong perspective. Let me explain it like this. Anybody remember the Flintstones? Yes, Fred Flintstone. Uh, you may not remember the theme song, but that's okay because I know it. The theme song goes like this. Listen, he says, Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They're the modern Stone Age family. I'm sorry. From the town of Bedrock, they're a page right out of history. And this is where it gets good. They said, let's ride with the family down the street. See, even back then they knew that they were better together, carpooling. Let's ride with the family down the street. And here's the point. It says this, through the courtesy of Fred's two feet. Now, you may be wondering, what in the world does this have to do with what I'm saying? 
Look at, at the Flint Mobile. Look at his car. It was powered by Fred Flintstone. And I think we take our faith like this, as if our journey depends on our own strength. How far we go is based on our ability. But what makes this such a new command and a better love is that it does not originate from us. In fact, it is God that is working on the inside of us. It is God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let's read what John said here in his letter, 1 John 4, 7. He says, dear friends, let us love one another. For love, it comes from God. You're not the source. It comes from God. Not your self-motivation. Not self-powered. Not in your own strength. It comes from God. And he says, everyone who loves have been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Did you hear what John is saying, if you do not love, you do not know God. Now, I'm not talking about knowing of God because some of us, we know of God, but he's saying you do not know him intimately if you cannot, if you do not love because God is love. And the source again is from God. Let's continue to read. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Here it is. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He sent his son into the world so that we can live. It is not in our own strength, brothers and sisters. It is through the strength of God that he's calling us to this better love. And see, that's what makes it better. In fact, Jesus said this in John 15, except you abide in me, you can do nothing. We can't do it in our own strength. We're not like Fred, where we're carrying our families and carrying our friends, carrying our pets and things in our own strength. No, it is through the power of God. It is his life that gives us life. It is his love that empowers us to love. And friends, we must get this right. He said, you have to love this way because there's so much at stake. What's at stake? It's found in verse 35. It reads, by this, by this, 
will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love, if we love, they will know. This is at what's stake. And when we are loving the way that God is calling us to love, when we are loving sacrificially as God is calling us to love, we are making God known. They look inside our community and they will wonder how in the world can they be so different yet so connected? How can they have different political ideologies and still be united? How can they come from diverse backgrounds and diverse socioeconomic statuses? How is it possible that they're so different but yet so one? They will know. They will know that we're his disciples when we are loving one another as Christ have loved us. See, there are many passages of scripture that encourages us to live into the one another, that tells us to be devoted to one another, to honor one another, not lying to one another, but telling one another the truth. And when we tell the truth, because truth can be hardcore, but when we're telling the truth, he says, tell the truth even in love. And then he says, forbearing one another, forgiving, because we will mess up, friends. The words of the great philosopher, Julia Michaels, I've got issues, and you've got them too. So we're going to need to forgive each other just as Christ forgave us, praying for each other and not praying on each other, serving one another and bearing one another's burdens. That's the kind of love that he's calling us to. When we see someone in need, let's continue to read because this is the love that he's calling us to that people will know who we are. Not by our bracelets, our WWJD, not by our fish decals. It's not the cross you wear, but the cross that you actually bear dying to selfish ambitions and allowing Jesus to live in and through your life. This is our greatest witness. Let's read what John writes, 1 John 4, 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love 
each other. Again, if, if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Let that rest in your spirit. No one has seen him. But when we love what John is saying, we make God visible because he lives in us and his love is brought to full expression if we love. How can we live into this kind of love? Let me share three practical steps, three quick things. Number one is to receive his love. And this, for me, was much challenging than what it sounds like. Because I grew up in a very performance-driven environment of church culture. Where it seemed as if you made a mistake, you were thrown away. As if you had to be perfect. And my salvation was dependent on my performance. But let me read what Paul says in Romans 5, starting with verse 6. He said, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, some might possibly dare to die. But listen to this. But God, he demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you hear that? While we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. Do you remember when Jesus was hanging on that cross, when mankind was at their worst, crucifying the innocent Son of God, the innocent Lamb of God, in his pain, in his agony, on the cross, pushing himself up in order to be able to say something. And he says this, Father, forgive them. Think about that. While we were sinners. And so he's inviting you to receive that love. And this is not a one-time event. Because when you mess up, if you sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father. He is willing if we confess and forsake our sin to forgive us. Receive his love. Don't allow shame to cause you to walk away. To the point where you felt like you... You've messed up too many times. I'm talking to you. But you think you're too far for God's reach. I'm encouraging you to receive his love today. And even while we were sinners, he reconciled us. He brought us back, put us in right relationship with God. And then 
Paul goes on and say, how much more now that we have been brought back, now that we have been reconciled, how much more shall he allow his love to just shed abroad in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit? How much more? So if you messed up, brothers and sisters, get up. You are not too far from his reach. And I'm going to say this and move on to the next one. When you are looking down or you're tempted to look down at someone, I want you to look up and remember what Jesus did. Remember Jesus on the cross dying for that person you're ready to write off. Remember that. The second thing is to remain in his love. Listen what John says, chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Brothers and sisters, I, I, I need you to hear what our Savior is saying here. Just like God the Father, love God the Son. He's saying, this is how I love you. Now stay, abide in that love. It goes on to say, if you keep my commands, if you walk in what I have told you, if you take steps in the direction to where I am leading, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's command and remain in his love. And I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I'm telling you this. I'm showing you how much I love you. So you will have joy on the inside. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling like you're not worth it, you can Lean back on his love. Remember how much he loves you and your joy will be complete. And then again, he goes on and say this. My command is this. Love. He said it again. Love each other. As I have loved you. And greater love has no one than this. Than for someone to lay down their lives for their friends friends. Listen, if you are not connected to a community group, if you're not plugged in, if you are distant and don't want to be around other people, I'm encouraging you to step in. I'm encouraging you to connect, to become a part of that one another to become a part of the community so you would be able to know, grow, and go. The last thing is to represent his love. See, we're more than just recipients. We now become representatives. Listen to what he says in 1 John 3, 16. He says, this is how we know what love is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers 
and sisters. He's saying it right here. Just like Jesus lived a selfless life, just like Jesus humbled himself, just like Jesus taught it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, humbled himself and became a servant, looking at our needs, doing this for us, hanging up for our hangups. He's saying that we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Do you know how far Jesus come just to redeem us? And he's inviting us, in fact, commanding us that this is the same love he's calling us into, this better love. It goes on to say, if anyone has material possession and see a brother or sister in need, but have no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. If you have resources and you see those in need and you are not moved, you're not compelled to action when you see people in need. In fact, sometimes we're more offended at their cries instead of trying to identify the cause of why they're crying. Dealing with poverty, dealing with racism, dealing with marginalization, dealing with various things in our community, in our world. If we see needs and we're not moved, John is here questioning, how, how dwells the love of God in you? How can you honestly say that? And here's the question I want to ask you. As we close, what does your action say about God's love? Because again, he's saying, dear children, don't love with just words or speech, but action and in truth. What does your action say about God's love? Is it that uh, you got to qualify for this love? You got to agree with me in order for me to express love. Or are you going to be like the lawyer and say, well, who is my neighbor? When Jesus expanded the definition of who neighbor is, just in case you want to ask, well, who is my brother or sister? He expanded that definition by those who are in your reach. Those who can be touched by your kindness and compassion. What is your love? What is your action, rather, is saying about God's love? I encourage you to commit to living this thing out, to living out God's love, and not, again, from your own strength, but as you receive love, as he loves you, love others. Become that community that uh, Pastor Alex 
was saying, Alex Sr. was saying in Acts 2 and 4, a community that's devoted to God's word, devoted to his people, devoted to worship. So I'm going to give you a prayer and I'm encouraging you. I challenge you to pray this prayer. And get ready. If you pray this prayer, if you believe this prayer, get ready to be used by God. And this prayer is simple, but I think profound. It says, Dear Lord, let your love, let your love abound in and through me. Because friends, this is what we need. This is what Paul was telling the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. He said, I'm praying that your love abound. Because this whole thing is about love. The greatest commandment, yes, to love God with everything. And he said the second is like the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. On this all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments that you would love. And so Paul saying, I want your love to abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you'll be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless before the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God, that your love will abound, that people will know that this is the church that love built, that they would know that these are the families that love empowered, that these are the people that love compelled, that this is the impact that love motivated, and that this is the community that love transformed. Let it be in us a better love, which is our greater, our greatest witness. Let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you and we pray right now for that one that may be hearing this message, listening to it, and may not have yet put their trust in you, may not have yet received your love. I pray in this moment that they would open their hearts and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I receive your love right now. And for those that have already said yes, Father, may we may receive your love daily and allow that love to abound in us to the point where we are making a difference in our household, in our communities, and in this world, that you will continue to transform us by your love, your grace, and your truth. Help us to be the people that you are calling for in this day, in this hour. Don't let us miss our assignment so that the people, everyone, will know who you are. That they may see you and know how much they are loved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. I pray you have an amazing week. Abide in his love.